Hi, my name is Mike, and I'm thankful that you've taken the time to study God's Word and to make this a priority in your life. You know, there are a few things in life where I realize that people have a very polar opposite view on certain topics or on people or politicians. Uh, but I found that consistently that when I bring up this topic on the fruit called durian, I find very different reactions. People either really love it or they hate it. And um, I only had heard about this fruit, and it's called the king of fruit for a reason, because it's so big and it's very spiky. And if it were to fall on someone's head from the tree, I'm sure it can do that person a lot of harm. Uh, I remember when I first moved to Korea and I went on a mission trip to China. It was the first time I was able to be exposed to this fruit called durian. And during that time, the host brought this fruit. And when they opened it, immediately I can tell by the smell that I wasn't going to like it. And I remember when I tried the fruit, I had a hard time chewing it and swallowing it because it had such a, a bad taste to it. But I saw the rest of my team members really enjoying this fruit. And I realized that it can cause very opposite effects. And I think the same thing can happen when it comes to Jesus. As we study today's passage in John chapter 11, we see opposite views on Jesus as he is doing ministry there. John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. 
They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Uh, we see here that if you've been tracking, tracking along in the book of John in chapter 11, uh, just right before this, we saw and witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus coming from the dead. And all who were there, all who were present, were amazed that something like this can happen. Someone who has been dead for several days actually coming back to life. And I'm sure this was the buzz. Everyone in that city, in the town, had heard about it. And uh, when it comes to Jesus, we see two different reactions coming from different people. And we see that the people who came for this funeral were, were in for a big surprise when they were able to witness him coming back to life. And they were there probably to, you know, console Mary and Martha, the sisters of, you know, Lazarus, who was their brother. And now they were joyful. They were filled with hope and gladness because of what Jesus had performed on their brother. And then it says in verse 45, that many of the Jews believed in Jesus after what they had just seen. Now this would be natural because anyone who witnessed and can testify who had been there, who had saw that this person was definitely dead, now coming back to life. You know, I've been to many different funerals in my lifetime, and I can honestly say that I have never seen anyone coming back to life. But there is one funeral that I will never forget and had such an impact uh, on my life. And it was one of my close friends who had their baby daughter uh, pass away. And he was praying for her fervently, you know, while she was in the hospital, just praying that she would get over the sickness. And then when she died, we were praying for her to come back to life. And he firmly believed that this would happen. And I remember the day before the funeral, uh, he told uh, his close friends that uh, to help pray with him um, throughout the night. And he also told us to bring two sets of clothes, uh, one for the funeral and one in case that she comes back to life that we were going to celebrate and he wanted us to dress appropriately. And we prayed all night and unfortunately his daughter didn't come back to life. But that really moved me to see his faith, to see that he trusted in God, that he wanted to see this miracle happen. And we see that this was one of the few times where a person comes back to life. And this must have been so impressive for the people there to see the work of God taking place and for this to happen before their very eyes. And this was a, a miracle for, and people began to follow Jesus. They saw what he can do and they're like, we will follow you. We will be obedient servants. We will be disciples of you. We teach us more. Uh, we, we saw this and we want more of it. And as this was happening, as people started to follow Jesus, the religious leaders began to become very worried. They're like, what is happening? They felt like they were losing their control. They were losing their popularity. And the author John here, he continues to paint this picture that 
the words and the works of Christ divide humanity. There is no middle ground. Uh, people either followed him or people hated him and wanted him to be killed. And this is no different than any of the other pictures and situations that John had described earlier uh, in his book. And you know what amazes me here is that these leaders acknowledge and they see that, you know, God is at work, that, you know, through Jesus that he is performing these miracles and that he has spiritual power and that he does indeed look like the Messiah, and then, but they refuse to believe that. And they privately admit that the signs that Jesus was performing, you know, authenticates him as the Messiah. And, you know, this shows that these people, they didn't want to, they refused to believe uh, because they held on to their pride. Uh, so the question for us is, what is our reaction? You know, the same way when we look at the Bible, when we look at our churches, you know, when we look at Jesus, what is your reaction? How do you feel about him? You are either in one camp, either you follow him wholeheartedly or you are against him. And I believe that we are either in one of those two camps. And it's very easy for us to say, oh, you know, this is just a story. You know, how can I believe everything that I read or that's there? Uh, but if you look at your life, think of all the miracles that God has given to you, whether you realize it or not. You know, just the fact that you are alive, that you came out of your mother's womb is a miracle in itself. And I've often told people that you cannot be an atheist when you are inside of a delivery room. Seeing the birth of a child, uh, it just amazes me to see God at work, to see another living human being coming out of somebody's body. And so, you know, science can only give us educated guesses. But we see here explanations and all things explained through the Bible, how the earth was created and how we are alive today. So the question is, how are you going to live your life? Will you be one who follows him, or are you be one who will be against him? And so as we study this passage at the end of chapter 11 in the book of John, you know, my question for you is, are you walking with Christ or are you walking away from Him? And I believe that we are in either one of those two camps and you cannot be in the middle. And I hope and pray that you, as you come to this crossroads, that you would, by even watching this, even, you know, having curiosity about your faith, uh, I pray that this will lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, knowing that you cannot go through life alone without having him by your side. And so can we pray for that and ask for his guidance and for his presence to be active in our lives? Let us pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that um, yet you have been with us. God, you knew us from the very beginning. And we know, Lord, that uh, we make mistakes, Father, that we have done things that we wish we can take back. But we thank you, Lord, that as you uh, help us along, uh, we pray that we'll be on the right track. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Uh, we thank you, God, that as far as the east is from the west, God, so far have you have forgiven our trespasses and our transgressions. 
And so for that, we are thankful that we can have new life and a new start. And so may we dedicate ourselves and to studying more and to deepening our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stepping in closer, CGMT.